attention is focused on the 16th summit meeting of the non-aligned movement hosted by Iran. The non-aligned movement is a group of states considering themselves not formally aligned with or against any major power bloc. As of 2012, the movement had 120 members in 17 observer countries, out of a total of 195 countries worldwide. 192 countries are members of the United Nations. The summit was attended by Ban Ki-moon, Secretary General of the United Nations. The Manchester Guardian reported, Ban's Tehran visit is a blow to Western attempts to isolate the Islamic Republic over its disputed nuclear program and is made in defiance of Israel and American calls for boycott of the event. The Jewish Chronicle reported on Kimun's attendance at the conference, Mr. Ban, who controversially decided to attend the summit despite the Islamic Republic's growing nuclear program and its routine calls for the destruction of Israel, defended Israel. He said, claiming that Israel does not have the right to exist or describing it in racist terms is not only wrong, but undermines the very principle we have all pledged to uphold. Mr. Ban added, I reject any threat by any UN member state to destroy another or outrageous comments to deny historical facts such as the Holocaust. While Mr. Kamun offered some defense of Israel, he really missed the point of the whole conference and legitimized a movement that wants to see the United Nations replaced with a more quote-unquote democratic system. But when Egypt's new leader, Mohamed Morsi, took the podium, he focused on democracy and human rights, fanning the flames of the Arab Spring. The Israeli newspaper Haaretz reported what he had to say. Quote, the Syrian and Palestinian people seek freedom, respect, and human justice, Morsi added, adding that Egypt is willing to work with all sides in order to stop the bloodshed. But Morsi managed to infuriate more than just Syria when he said that the Egyptian revolution was the cornerstone of the Arab Spring. Days after the upheaval in Tunisia, then in Yemen, Libya, and now against the oppressive Syrian regime. The Egyptian president refuted the Islamic Republic's version, according to which the Arab Spring was an offshoot of the Islamic Revolution, end quote. Putting the Palestinians on par with the Syrians is obviously a severe case of exaggeration. Trying to draw a parallel between Israel's government and the bloodthirsty Bashar Assad, the leader of Egypt's Arab Spring clearly sees its mission as tied with the destiny of the Palestinian people. Ynet Daily reported, Morsi said that the Palestinian independence has been a priority of the Muslim Brotherhood movement since its birth, and it will be so until we achieve a comprehensive solution that will support the right of the Palestinian people to decide their own future and to establish their free state on their own soil. We have to stand by such rights, and we have to support until Palestine is a fully-fledged state, he said. End quote. The introduction of democracy into the Middle East, up to this point, the only democratic nation was Israel, will have profound effects. It will be the democratic frog spirits that will eventually lead the nations into, into the Middle East. We read in Revelation 16, verses 13 to 14, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. But they are spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty, which, of course, is Armageddon. 
Well, we have considered the role of the frog spirits and what they will do, deceiving the nations into moving militarily into the Middle East and attacking Israel, joining in the Battle of Armageddon at quite some length before. This summit is croaking a similar chorus, but consider what else is said. What was most notable about the Egyptian Prime Minister's speech was his call for a new world order, and of course its ramifications. The same Ynet Daily article continued, Egypt, he said, is now a true civil and democratic state, and it is our destiny to play a crucial role in such critical movements as NAM, the non-aligned movement. It has stood by its principle, and the movement has been able to protect the rights of developing countries and legitimize new foreign policies for new democracies. The Egyptian president stressed the need for a more just world, and we will insist on taking part in this new world order. We are looking for a just international order where developing countries can leave the circle of poverty and marginality and become part of the new world order. This cannot be achieved without the principles of democracy being implemented on an international level. We cannot accept any more unilateralism and any overlooking or of such principles in international politics, he stated. Egypt, he continues, believes that one of the main principles of this new world order we are looking for is based on enhancing the participation of developing countries in international institutions. Maybe the first step should be the reform in the Security Council in order for it to be more representative of the new world order of the 21st century and not reflective of the 20th century. We must also enhance the activities of the General Assembly, as it is the best representative of the international community, he said. End quote. Well, these non-aligned nations want to reform the world order that has been in effect since the close of the Second World War. Haaretz News reported on Iran's position. Iranian Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei and President Ahmadinejad chose to speak from the position of regional power that wants to change the global agenda. Ahmadinejad called for changing the UN regulations that give veto power to the five permanent members of the Security Council. Such a structure does not permit any country in the world to obtain its rights, he said, apparently forgetting that it was actually the vetoes of Russia and China that saved Iran from much harsher sanctions. He went on to say, we must build a new world in which a mere handful of countries cannot exploit the resources of the rest of the world. Globalization must respect divinity and human rights as opposed to entrenching the rule of a few, Ahmadinejad said. End quote. Well, this is very interesting. And it isn't just the opinion of a few zealot crackpots leading extreme Islamic states. The Hindu Times reported on India's Prime Minister, Manmohan Singh, and his return from the summit. It stated... He admitted to defects in global governance and called on the movement of non-aligned, the non-aligned movement that is, to take the lead in reforming international institutions like the UN, even as he urged member states to tackle problems by developing solutions that are best suited to our own circumstances. Well, considering that the non-aligned movement makes up two-thirds of the United Nations General Assembly, this is certainly cause for alarm. 
Let's not forget that the Second World War resulted partially from the collapse of the League of Nations, established following World War I, which lost its legitimacy due to the lack of support of sponsoring nations, emboldening Germany to set out on a policy of European conquest. Well, ramifications of this kind of thinking are very profound. The United Nations is only legitimate if its member states recognize it. If two-thirds or even half of the nations it covers were to walk away from the table, it would cease to exist in its current format. Two-thirds of the nations could also wield significant authority to change the nature of the UN, transforming it from a broker of peace between two power blocks to a grassroots reactionary movement that follows the whims of the masses whipped up by forces who yield the global media to their cause. These loud and vocal calls to reform the United Nations being put forward by Egypt, Iran and India are not by any means the first voices. The publication Vatican at a Glance, under the headline The Holy See Promotes a Reform of the United Nations and Invites Ban Ki-moon to Discuss About It in Rome, had the following to say in just March of this year. It stated, Next year, an important anniversary will be celebrated in the Vatican. It will be the 50th anniversary of the promulgation of the encyclical Passum in Terrace, or Peace on Earth, by John XXIII. And the Vatican decided to celebrate the anniversary his way, inviting the General Secretary of the United Nations, Ban Ki-moon, in Rome to discuss about the reform of the United Nations, the same reform that the Holy See aims to bring to a world authority with universal competencies that should consistently involve all people in a collaboration in which they are called to contribute bringing to it the heritage of their virtues and their civilizations. Well, anyone would think that Ahmadinejad and Morsi had read this encyclical and used it for the basis of their speeches. Because the article continues, the reflections of the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace highlighted once again the world authority issue and called for the advent of a, and listen to this, a new world centered on universal political authority. End quote. The whole power to the people concept is advocated heavily by the church. The same article stated, where does the global authority issue come from? Holy See is highly attentive to the need for adequate institutions, and this institution must, according to the Holy See's vision, express the primacy and responsibility of policy, and at the same time they must give effective voice to the largest number of nations. End quote. Well, this is absolutely amazing to think that the Vatican is the puppet master for nations like Iran, Egypt, and India putting the very words in their mouths. Well, if this wasn't enough, consider what the article goes on to state. And we quote, Today, the global authority issue is even more topical. The goal is to reach for the global common good. And to reach the global common good, there is a need of global institutions, referred to people, to their parliaments, to their judicial references. The establishment of a world political authority, Mario 
Certoso, Secretary of the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace, said, should be preceded by a preliminary phase of consultation from which a legitimate institution will emerge that is in a position to be an effective guide and at the same time can allow each country to express and pursue its own particular good. The exercise of this authority at the service of the good of each and every one will necessarily be super partes or impartial, that is, above any particular vision or particular good in view of achieving the common good. Its decision should not be the result of the more developed countries' excessive power over the weaker countries. Instead, they should be made in the interest of all, not only the advantage of some groups, whether they are formed by private lobbies or national governments. End quote. Translation? We need to wrestle global power from the Western nations, i.e. America, and put it in the hands of the Vatican, which can be trusted to shepherd the nations in the name of the common good of mankind. Surprised? Well, we shouldn't be. This is the picture the Bible has been painting. The Vatican described its own vision of the future world order, one modeled on itself. The article continues to better understand what kind of reform the United Nations, the Holy See, would carry out. It is sufficient to go and see what Pope said when they visited and held speeches at the Glass Palace. Paul VI, in 1965, reminded the delegates, your charter goes even farther. Our message moves ahead with it. You are in existence, and you are working in order to unite nations, to associate states. Let us use the formula to bring them together with each other. You are an association, a bridge between peoples, a network of relations between states. We are tempted to say that, in a way, this characteristic of yours reflects in the temporal order what our Catholic Church intends to be in the spiritual order, one and universal. Nothing loftier can be imagined on the natural level as far as the ideological structures of mankind is concerned. Your vocation is to bring not just some people, but all people together as brothers. A difficult undertaking? We'd no doubt, but this is the nature of your very noble undertaking. Paul VI concluded his speech by underlining that the edifice of modern civilization has to be built on spiritual principles, meaning Catholic principles, for they are the only ones capable not only of supporting it, but of shedding light on it and inspiring it. We are convinced, as you know, that these indispensable principles of higher wisdom cannot rest on anything but faith in God, or faith in the Catholic Church, as is what is really meant. Well, the Bible depicts the Vatican in the latter days as a woman riding the beast and controlling the policy of the nations throughout the world. Consider a couple of passages. Revelation 17, verses 1 to 2. Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Well, the picture is painted of a world order, which is directed by the woman of Rome, as we are told, the waters which thou sawest are or where the horse sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. And over these she reigns. For we read in verse 18, The woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So the fact that President Ahmadinejad of Iran 
President Morsi of Egypt and Prime Minister Manmohan of India are all singing the Catholic song shouldn't surprise us. This is what the Bible has predicted for years, and it is unraveling before our eyes. Once again, behind the headlines, the hype and the rhetoric of the media, we see the Bible in the news, predicting the role the Vatican will play in controlling the nations and bringing them into conflict with Almighty God. This day will soon be upon us, so let us prepare while we have an opportunity. For the Bible in the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.